I love his presence that I feel in here. Uh, media team, we're going to change some stuff up a little bit this morning. We're not going to go through all the, the bells and whistles and the little pictures and all that fun stuff that we had planned. Maybe we'll get to that some other time. Uh, so we're going to skip all those pictures and we'll start where I had planned on actually getting into the message today. Don't put anything up on the screens just yet. Wait for me to get there. I'm going to talk about the 90s today and a lot of the cool stuff that happened in the 90s. And I tell you, it's funny how you'll pray and you'll prepare and you'll get a word from God and you think it's going to go one direction, but you can see how he'll turn on a dime sometimes and that same message applies, but in a different way. Same truth, but in a different area. And uh, that's what he's doing today. The 90s brought about a lot of changes, a lot of stuff. I think the most, um, the most impactful thing that came about in the 90s was the Internet. Remember, before the 90s hit, we didn't have any of that stuff. You know, if you had an assignment in school, you had to go back to these, these little things called encyclopedias to reach, research stuff. You had to go to a place called the library to study. Now you can just hop online and you've got access to so much information. Now it, it's, it's amazing. When I prepare for messages, I always pray and, and study the Bible, but probably 80% of the studying that I do, um, I do online research and all of that stuff because it's all right there at your fingertips, you know. Um, didn't have that before. Didn't have that before. The 90s unlocked an age of information like we had never seen before in this world. When the internet hit, uh, it, it's hard to think about this the way we use the internet today. But when the internet hit in the 90s, you know, it became public around 1993, give or take. And uh, they, they say that there were right around 90,000 people online that first year. Think about that, 90,000 people. Y'all remember the old slow dial-up AOL stuff? They did all that crazy noise, yeah. So that's what we had to deal with back in the day. It wasn't like instant, almost like we have today. 90,000 people. From 93 to 1998, it jumped from around 90,000 people to over 100 million people online. That's a big jump. But we know where we're at today. Under a million people is nothing. Between 98 and the year 1999, it went from 100 million people online to over a billion people online in a year. Today, it, you, you've got to live out in the middle of nowhere not to have some kind of internet connection today. Virtually every cell phone is connected to the internet. You know, it's just instant information now that was not available before and in the 90s in this flow of information we i think became so inundated with information that we lost track of perspective because there was just so much raw information available and if you wanted information on anything you could just hop online and, and research it and try to find out what what you wanted to find out and like today if you've got a cold and you want to find out 
how to treat your cold, you can hop online and put in your symptoms and you know, and the internet's gonna give you everything from chicken soup to WebMD is gonna say, you've got colon cancer and you need to go in. You know, it's just crazy. Like this, you get this huge broad spectrum of information that it's gonna throw at you because the algorithm of the internet is set up to give you information, but it's not set up to give you absolutes. It gives you all the information that you could want on any given topic, but it won't give you the absolute truth on any given topic. And it's crazy because like even today, the algorithms they're using, they're getting smarter with it. And if you hop online and you search stuff, the internet now is set up in such a way as it caters to you now and what you like, what your preferences are. It knows you, it knows which way you go politically. And so it's gonna put information in front of you that's already going to be along your bias. It's gonna give you news stories that line up with that. If you do searches, it's gonna, it's gonna show you pop-ups of stuff that you've searched before. You guys have been on Facebook. Isn't it crazy how sometimes you seem like you can just have a conversation with somebody and you hop online and then suddenly there's ads for all that stuff on social media. I just talked about a toaster. Now all I see are toaster ads on Facebook. You know, that's because the algorithm is set up to show us information that goes along with our bias, but it's not set up to give us information that gives us absolute truth in any given scenario. And this began to feed, I think, society like never before. Um, we had information, but we began to lose perspective. And I really think that in the 90s, we began to rely on information we wanted to hear instead of God's absolute truth. We began to rely on that information we wanted to hear instead of God's absolute truth because we were so inundated with information that went along with our biases that it was much easier to educate ourselves on several different scenarios on, on how things could work instead of just simply accepting the simple absolute truth of the word of God. And in the 90s, um, truth kind of became subjective. You guys remember this happening? It became subjective. So absolutes kind of took a lower shelf to our personal opinions or our preferences or what our interpretation of the truth was supposed to be because now there's no, no longer absolutes. We're educated beyond that. We can gather all the information to create our own form and our own reality of truth. It was all subjective to what we thought truth was in any given scenario. Like this dude asked me to come do a podcast with him uh, a few months back. And I said, well, what's the point of the podcast? And he's like, hey, I just want to get, uh, get you on there so that you can tell everybody what your version of truth is. I mean, my version of truth, truth is truth. My version of truth. And I think that's where we are as a society right now. And it's largely in part to this big information boom that went unchecked in the 90s that fueled our desire to follow the path of our own opinion rather than the word of God. Second Timothy chapter four kind of speaks to this starting in verse three. All the notes for the message today are available too on a U version on the Bible app if you want to follow along that way as well. Second Timothy 4, 3 through 4 reads like this. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. 
Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So the time will come when people won't put up with sound doctrine. They won't put up with the absolute truth of the word of God. They won't accept it. They won't tolerate it. But instead, they will follow some form of truth or doctrine that falls in line with their own opinion or their own desires. And they will surround themselves with people that line up with that philosophy on what truth is supposed to be to them. Does that sound like any society that you know of today. Man, opinion is high and exalted, especially in America today. And I got news for us. I really don't think God is all that interested in any of our opinions. He's very much interested in the truth of his word and whether or not we're submitting our life to the principles in his word, his absolute truth. It says they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Some translations say lies. That is, anything that we accept as sound doctrine for our life or, or a directional piece of truth for our lives that does not line up with what the Bible says. This is that people, by large, will create their own version of truth, walk away from God, and they will accept a myth or a lie that is not biblical for their lives. Second Peter chapter 3 starting at verse 3, kind of builds on this. And he says, above all, you must understand that in the last day, scoffers or people that make fun of or mock will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Going after what they desire. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Now look at this. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. But they deliberately forget. That's crazy. It's like they know what the Bible says but they deliberately choose to ignore it and forget it because the information that is presented to them is more appealing to them and more convenient to them. And so they go after the convenience of their own philosophy on how to handle life and how to handle issues in the home. They follow their own philosophies because it's convenient instead of submitting themselves to what can sometimes be the inconvenient truth of the word of God. I got news for us today. God really doesn't care whether or not we think his word is convenient or not. His word is his word. His word is the truth. And his word, this is what's most important, is what we are going to be judged by. Not our opinions and not what we think is supposed to be right or wrong. God's very clear on what's right and wrong in his word. They deliberately walk away from it. And so you start to get this picture of a group of people who are building their lives on their version of truth and their version of how things are supposed to operate. And then there's this other group of people that are building their lives on the word of God. Truth for themselves or truth that we know is absolute from the word of God. You know, the word of God's not subjective at all. God's pretty clear in his word on how things should go. 
I got a question for us this morning, myself included, and everyone watching online. What truth are you building your life on? What truth are you building your life on? Because it matters. And a lot of times, people build their lives on a false truth only to find out that that false truth often leads to bad decisions and opening up headache and heartache in our lives that we don't need to experience. You know, I was, I was at a summer camp uh, one time. It was a youth summer camp too, which makes the story all the more better. I, I might've been 14 or 15 at the time. How many of y'all remember being 14 or 15? How many of you remember how much common sense you didn't have when you were 14 or 15, especially the guys? Yeah, so I was not operating in the best of common sense. And so we were at this youth camp and God was moving and, and all this stuff. And I think it was the second night of camp. A bunch of teenagers are in this little, uh, little lodge room and we're staring at the walls because we're full of energy and bored at about 1.30 in the morning. And we hear a train whistle and you could hear the train tracks off in the distance. Now the camp we were at was at a lake. This train track crossed the lake probably, I don't know, three quarters of a mile to a mile down the way. And so somebody got the bright idea of, hey, let's sneak out and let's go down to the train tracks and throw some rocks at the train and have some fun and see what would happen. Now, I'm not going to say who that person was because I am doing what this previous passage of Scripture says, and I'm deliberately forgetting who it could have been. It might have been me, but I'm deliberately forgetting that. So I, I, talked, this, I talked this cabin full of guys into going on this journey down to these train tracks. And so we're waiting for the train, we're waiting for the train, and we've got these rocks in our hands. This is going to be so much fun. We're going to throw rocks at a train. How stupid is that? You know what I mean? So we're waiting, we wait. The train doesn't come because we didn't think, hey, these trains just don't crank down that track every five minutes, you know. Uh, so we get this bright idea to pass the time. Let's put some rocks on the train tracks. And let's just keep putting rocks on the train tracks till the next train comes. Because somebody, I'm not going to say who, because I'm deliberately forgetting, said it would be cool to watch the rocks explode and spark when the train runs over them. It's going to be awesome. It's going to look like the 4th of July. This is going to be amazing. So all of us, probably about 10 or 11 guys, start stacking rocks on these train tracks just on one side. And I don't know how long we were doing it. It seemed like forever. We probably put over 200 yards of rocks on these train tracks. You know, they got the gravel that's right there by the tracks, the cross ties are on. Yeah. So we just stack it up and then we hear, we hear the train. Oh, here it comes. This is going to be awesome. So we're like, hurry, 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 hurry. So we're getting the last few rocks on the track and the train's coming around the bend and we can start to see the lights on the trees. And we're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And it comes on the straightaway there getting ready to go across the bridge where we've got all these rocks. And we're like, ah, and then we realize we better cross the bridge. So we go running across the bridge and here comes the train and we're all waiting for the big show that we're going to have. And then it hits the rocks and you hear, you start to hear this rumble as it's cracking the rocks one at a time. I was like, and we were watching, and sure enough, man, those things just started sparking. And it looked like the 4th of July for a little bit. And as the train got closer, things started whizzing by our head. 
and you could hear the rocks exploding and things ricocheting and and stuff was flying by and there's pepper in the trees behind us. And finally, like the two brain cells we had collectively between all of us bumped together and we're like, oh, this is about to be bad. And we started getting hit with a shrapnel from these exploding rocks coming off of this track. So we're like, head for cover. So we take off and we go for the tree line and we're getting hit and pelted and we're diving behind the tree line. And my friend Smitty, I'll never forget this. He cries out, I'm hit, I'm hit, I'm hit. It's like that. <laughs> And so we all get undercover and stuff. It's like, shoo, 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 flying by. We could have gotten some serious bad shape over that, man. These rocks were flying by. Could have jacked us up. So we walked home after that, all bruised up and pelted, a little bloody, because we had a great idea that sounded good to us, but we didn't stop to consider the truth of the situation. That's how I'm going to tie it into this message. That's, that's how that'll work. We didn't stop to consider the truth of the situation. We didn't stop to think, hey, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. When the train runs over these rocks, they're going to go flying. We could get in trouble. We didn't think about the laws of physics. We didn't think about how stupid it was to get out there and play with the train on the tracks. We just thought, hey, let's get out there and let's just do it because it sounded good. And our philosophy put us in a place where we could have been in a really bad situation. How do we know what kind of truth is the right truth for our lives? Well, you gotta know the word of God, right? Gotta know the word of God. So if we ask the question, what truth are we building our lives on? Then the churchy answer is to say that we're building our, our lives on the truth of the word of God. Amen, pastor. That's it, that's it, that's it. But I've been in this game long enough to know that a lot of people don't live their lives 100% by the absolute truth of the word of God. What they do is they have a little bit of the word of God mixed in with a whole lot of information that comes from the world with a whole lot of philosophy that comes from the world. And so the word of God is a little piece of the pie that we have that we're collecting all the information and the guiding principles for our life from. Most people don't spend that much time in the word of God. It's been my experience. Now, some people do and praise God for them. And that's probably a lot of us in here today, but I find that on the other side of that coin, a lot of people don't. Question, if we're not in the word of God as much as we should, how can we know the Bible if we don't read it? How can we know the Bible if we don't read it? Like, if the Bible is supposed to be the guiding truth for our life, and it's supposed to be what we're building our lives on, how can we know it if we don't read it? And, and a better question is this, how can we live our lives then based on something we don't know? If we don't read it and we don't know it, how can we say we're basing our lives on something that we don't read and we don't know? And that's where a lot of people are, where philosophically they agree with the idea of living our lives according to the word of God. But when it comes down to it being in our lives daily, where we're reading it and applying it to our lives, there's a disconnect there. There was a pastor who got invited to a debate with a local professor at a college. 
And the format for the debate was supposed to be like this. The professor got up and got to share for 15 minutes, and the pastor was going to get up and share for 15 minutes. And then the remaining time, they were going to field questions and debate points between the two of them. The question was this. Is there absolute truth? And the professor got up and said, no, truth is relative to your experience and your perspective. Truth is, is it's connected to your life and how you interpret the world. Truth is that how you see it. It's subjective to you. There is no absolute truth. There is truth for you. There's truth for me, truth for you, truth for me. And that truth is truth for us. The pastor got up and he could just feel the hostility in the room when he got up there. And he did something that was really neat. He walked up and said, thank you guys for having me. Uh, before I get into what I prepared, I want to ask a question because I'm new here on campus. Can somebody please tell me which way is north? And everybody looked at him kind of weird and said, can you, somebody just tell me which way is north? And people started pointing this way and that way. And some people pointed that way and other people were like, it's over because nobody really knew where north was. And he said, that is the problem with subjecting truth to your own personal experience. There has to be an absolute in order for there to be a correct direction. He pulled out a compass and he said, I can tell you where north is right now because this compass is telling me where north is. See, the word of God acts like the compass for our lives. It tells us where true north is in every situation that we face in life. It tells us where true north is in our families. It tells us where true north is in our marriages. It tells us where true north is in, in instances where we got friction between us and other people. You know, the word of God is the only true north that can be trusted. Everything else is just a philosophy that's going to lead us in a direction that's not going to be as productive and effective as if we had submitted our lives to the simple truth of the Word of God. Think about your marriage. There's a ton of philosophies out there on how to have a great marriage, but the Word of God is very specific on some things that we need to do in order for us to have a great marriage. And there's, there's a big philosophy out there. that most conflict in marriage comes from one of three areas. Either there's friction over power, friction over the money, or there's friction over sex in the marriage. You know, that old acronym is PMS. You've got to fix the PMS in your marriage, power, money, or sex. And so they'll teach that. But the Word of God says that's not true. The Word of God says that those are symptoms to the root problem. The Bible says that conflict in our marriage comes from selfishness in our hearts. And it's because we want our way, and we don't care about what the other person in the marriage wants. We want our way. So our selfishness is going to show up in power struggles in the marriage, and our selfishness is going to show up in decisions about the money, and our selfishness is going to show up on whether or not we're going to serve and give ourselves to our spouse in those intimate moments. That's where a lot of the conflict comes from because of selfishness. And the Bible gives a solution, a solution to that. Um, it says that the men are supposed to love their wives like Christ loved the what? The church and gave himself up for the church. And the Bible says that 
the wife is supposed to, I know this is a dirty word in some circles, but the wife is supposed to submit herself to the husband just like the church submits herself to Christ. It creates a picture of servanthood. The husband is serving the wife and the wife is serving the husband. You know what I found in life is that selfishness and servanthood cannot exist in the same place. Can't. And so God is smart enough to know that if I get you busy serving each other, it won't leave space for selfishness in your life. And 99.999% of the problems you could have had in your marriage will be gone because you're applying the word of God to your marriage and loving and serving each other instead of being selfish. So the word of God is always the best truth for our lives in every situation. The word of God tells us when we've got conflict with other people, we're supposed to do what? Go to them. Go talk to them. Well, that's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. The word of God also tells us to love, to bear with one another in love. The word of God tells us to forgive those people when they do us wrong. It also says to go talk to them. You know, if we loved and just bore with one another and love and we forgave the way the Bible said to forgive, and if we had problems with people, we went and had a simple conversation to work it out, you know how much of the drama would be cut out of the church or society if we would just follow the simple guidelines of the word of God? See, it's there to help us. The Bible is not a rule book of do this and do that. It is a guide to set us up for success in life in all the areas of our lives. So what kind of truth are we building our lives on? How does that apply today, Pastor Josh, with everything that God's been doing in the service so far? God is bringing us back to the simplicity of just having that close relationship with him and knowing him more today. And it all comes down to, I think with this message, understanding the simplicity of just applying the word of God to our lives and cutting out all the clutter of information that would distract and pull us away from and hinder God's ability to pour his presence out into our lives. Hebrews 4, verse 12, it reads like this. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And here's the key line here. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God judges our thoughts and our attitudes. It means that we take our thoughts and attitudes and we weigh them against what the Bible says and they either line up with it or they don't. And we need to bring correction to our thoughts or we need to bring correction to our heart attitude to bring it in line with the word of God or not. But you're not going to be able to weigh between the two and see the difference between the two if we're not giving the word of God the opportunity to speak into our lives with the situations that we face. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It's like getting out in the woods without a compass, complaining that we're lost. The compass will tell you where you need to go. You don't have to be frustrated with where you are in life. You can get into the compass of the word of God, and it can tell you how to bring solutions to the problems that you're navigating through. 
The Word of God is the ultimate solution. Um, just some things that the Word of God's for in our lives. The Word of God, the Bible says, is the foundation of life. Everything that we do is built on the truth of the Word of God. And when the situations of life come in and they hit and the storms of life hit, if we're building our lives on the foundation of God's word, the Bible says that we will take the blows from life, that we'll take the storms that life throws at us, but our lives built on the foundation of the word of God and our relationship with Jesus will not be shaken. But any other philosophy, any other information source that we're taking and trying to put into our lives, listen, when, when the storms of life hit, it's going to crumble because it's not reliable and it's not stable, and it's not the eternal word of God. The word of God gives direction, the Bible says. When we enter those seasons of life where we don't know what to do, the word of God gives us direction. The Bible says that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our past. The word of God protects us from sin. The Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, the word of God gets inside of us like seeds and it produces the fruit that God wants to see in our lives. There's no way God can change us from the inside out like he wants to change us from the inside out if we're not putting the word of God into us to take root and to produce the fruit that the word of God was intended to produce in our lives. We gotta be in the word. It protects us from sin. You got issues of sin in your life? You're struggling with an area of sin just repetitively over and over and over and over again? The Bible says that if you will get into his word and let it get into your heart, that that, that draw and that desire for whatever that sin is will slowly begin to go away as the word of God takes its root in your heart. What you feed most is gonna dominate your life. Feed your spirit by the word and you'll be led by the spirit in your life. The word of God also equips us for spiritual warfare. The word of God is key for spiritual warfare. A lot of us lose spiritual battles in our lives because we don't put the word of God into our hearts so that we don't have it to stand on as a foundation when the storms come and the attacks of the enemy come. You know, Paul, he paints this beautiful picture of the armor of God in Ephesians chapter six. And some of y'all may have heard me say this before, but this is so important and it's so true. I want you to listen to me again. Listen, the two main components of this armor of God that we're supposed to put on according to Paul in Ephesians 6 is the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. Okay. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. Our shield, our shield of faith that comes from the word of God. What is it supposed to stop? All the flaming arrows of the enemy. That's all the attacks of the enemy right there stopped by our faith that's only fed by our intake of the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Our main offensive weapon and our main defensive weapon in spiritual warfare is connected to the word of God. This is why we're losing battles. This is why the enemy's having his way in our home. This is why the enemy in, in some of our households is deceiving and pulling away our children because we are not 
conducting spiritual warfare in a proper way because we aren't ready and prepared because we aren't equipped by the word of God. And that's the last one that I have today. The word of God, it grows and prepares us. The word of God grows and prepares us. The word of God grows us from the inside out. The word of God prepares us, the Bible says, for works of service. It grows us in our calling. It grows us into that person that God has called us to be. The word of God, listen to me now, the word of God is the most important piece of spiritual equipment that God gave us. It prepares us, it leads us, it guides us, it shows us the way, all in his word. So on the tail end of everything that God's done in this place today and what he may be doing in your life, you guys that are watching online, I know this is kind of a unique service and you might have just been ready to watch service happen like it normally does today. Don't let that throw you off. God's doing something today. I said God's doing something today. So on the tail end of a deep move of the Spirit this morning, he's giving us a great encouragement and instruction from his word. Listen, we need to be in the word of God. If ever there was a time for the church to get back to the basics of being in the word of God is today. Our world is falling apart all around us. Our nation is divided like never before today. This country needs to see a church that is united and equipped with power from the Holy Spirit and the truth that comes from the Word of God. Not just in philosophy, but we're actively feeding it into our spirits and into our lives. That's how this works, guys. Because what we experience today can be every day in our relationship with God. Every day. And even more. And even more. Can you imagine what this church would look like if we all came in here after spending all week in his word, letting him speak to us and grow us and get the, getting the, the seed of his word inside of us to produce the fruit that he wants to see in our lives. And when we come in here on another level spiritually, full of his word, full of his spirit, ready to dive in. What we saw today could be times 10 in this church. And what we saw today could be times 10 in our own personal life, but it all comes back to the word of God. I have a birthday coming up next Saturday, October 3rd. I'll be 45 years old. That sounds weird just saying it. Some of y'all are like, wow, you're a dinosaur, Pastor Josh. And then some of y'all are like, wow, you're a young buck. I'll take the young buck. I'll take that. But I've reached a point in my life, and, and maybe some of you guys have too, where I just want truth. I don't want spin, I want truth. Don't try to sell me a bunch of junk, just give me truth. Give me what works. Don't give me your idea on what I should do in my life, give me what works. And as a pastor, I wanna make sure that I'm giving you what works. I don't want to give you my opinion or my idea or my philosophy. I want to give you the truth of the Word of God to equip you because it's only from the truth of the Word that we get what we need. It's the only absolute truth. Everything else is information that we process that becomes a slice of the pie. 
if we're not careful. I don't want pie. I want the meat of the word of God. So I think God's kind of correcting. God's kind of adjusting and God's kind of reminding today. Hey, don't forget about my word. Don't forget about my truth. Don't get distracted by the philosophies that are out there. Don't get distracted by all the lies that look so good that come from society or from a book. Make sure that you're getting your truth from the book that matters, the eternal word of God. The Bible says that the grass will wither, the flowers will fade, but the word of God, the word of God endures forever. The Bible says this too, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. See, when God was trying to solve the problem of sin in our lives, he sent his word in flesh to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins. The living, breathing, walking word of God named Jesus. The word of God's solution for every problem in our lives. Is our instruction. It's our guiding light. Let's don't forget that. Amen? Stand with me, if you will, this morning. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, I thank you for what you've been doing, for what you're still doing pulling us back to you. Everyone in this place, bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I, I don't feel like it's right to, to close out the service today without bringing this to a point of decision. And I know God's been doing so much in us already in the service today. But how many of you, when looking back, before today so you know what Pastor Josh I don't get the word of God in me like I should if I had to be honest I've got myself opened up to a whole lot of information and a whole lot of sources and a whole lot of insight coming from things that just they're not absolute it's all relative how many of you would say that today I'm making a decision to get back to the absolute truth of the Word of God and apply it to the problems, the issues, and the situations that I'm facing in life. When I count to three, if that's you, I want you to lift your eyes up. I want you to look at me before I close this in prayer today. Pastor Josh, I haven't been in the Word, but today I'm choosing to get back to the truth of the Word of God like never before. If that's you, on the count of three, lift your eyes and look at me. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. It's a private moment, so let's respect that. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look. I see yours, yours, I see yours, 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 I see yours. Praise God. God knows what he's doing. You're bringing us back, Father. all across this place just one more time let's lift up our hands and let's worship the Lord 
let him just pour into our lives one more time. Father, Lord, we all make decisions this morning. Lord, you're number one in our lives. Lord, we set aside sin and distraction and we focus on you. Lord, we choose to get back to the truth of your word, to let it speak into our lives. Not, not an ever-present roar of information, God, but the simple, practical, never-failing truth of your word. Thank you for your word, for reminding us today, God. Thank you. Let's just lift up our hands and let's just worship just for the next few minutes with the man.